Uncover from CBC Podcasts is your source for exceptional storytelling and groundbreaking journalism. Unveil the shocking secrets of one of Canada's most prolific fashion moguls. He far exceeds Jeffrey Epstein. He far exceeds Bill Cosby. And dive into the unsolved murders of two Canadian billionaires. This is a perfect storm of conspiracy theory. It's got all the ingredients, none of the answers. With new episodes released weekly, you'll hear the very best in award-winning true crime. Listen to Uncover wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi. Before we begin, I just want to let you know that this episode contains descriptions of intimate partner violence. If you're experiencing intimate partner violence, or if you have a loved one who is, you can find information on where to turn for help at cbc.ca slash WTP resources. Please take care. So you'll probably remember this. So you bought this wallpaper and we were wallpaper in the bedroom and we were also drinking wine. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Anyway, <laughs> It was one of those lazy weekends spent with friends. The guys, Pat and Vance, went fishing. Sue and I started decorating. We'd put one sheet of wallpaper up. We'd cut the next sheet and we'd get it in place. And as soon as we got that one in place, the first thing just peeled off and rolled onto the floor. And so I said to you, do you have a hammer? Yeah, I got a hammer. Do you have any nails? Yeah, I got nails. Get them. <laughs> we nailed that freaking wallpaper to the wall. By the time you guys came home, it looked pretty damn good, I think. <laughs> well, we saw the nail heads, but uh, I thought, well, that's unusual, but it uh, seems to work. Everyone's happy. Was there a hole in that wall? No. Do you remember I told you about the hole in the wall? Yeah, after the fact because he'd made a hole, he was mad at me, and he threw a glass at me, oh. and it missed, and it hit the wall, it made a hole in the wall, and so I wallpapered the wall so you wouldn't see the hole. I wallpapered over the hole. Wallpaper is a pretty good metaphor for that year of my life. I was always covering something up, a hole in the wall, a bruise on my arm, the fact that I was in a dangerous relationship. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. This is Welcome to Paradise. Six months into my marriage, I am leading a double life, having fun with friends and hiding the reality of life behind closed doors. No one knows about the abuse, except a woman I've never met, a woman I've told my therapist Farzana about during one of our sessions. And what about the bitch downstairs? I know. Do you want to talk about her a little bit? I was angry with her for doing a good thing because... It's a cold winter day, a Sunday. I don't remember how it starts. Pat attacks me on and off all afternoon. It's noisy, all the punching and yelling. This is the one time I fight back. Late in the day, I swipe at him as he lunges at me. 
and he accuses me of hurting him. He retreats up the stairs. It doesn't occur to me that anyone can hear us, but there's a knock on the door. And when I open it, distracted, two men are standing there, police officers. They are big, imposing guys. I am stunned to see them. They want to know if I'm okay. Yes, I tell them, through a crack in the door. They ask if they can come in. I tell them no. They ask to speak to my husband. He's asleep, I say. I want to close the door. It's barely ajar as it is. I'm afraid their prying is just going to make things worse. How did they know, I'm thinking? Your downstairs neighbor called us, one of them tells me, like he's reading my mind. And all I can think of is someone knows. Someone knows. And now I'm not just scared. I'm pissed off. I think to myself, that bitch, that bitch downstairs. It was my secret. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it wasn't a secret anymore. And, and suddenly I understood she had been privy to all that had happened. She could hear it all. Mm-hmm. She, she only did what a thinking, caring person who doesn't mm-hmm. know you would do. Mm-hmm. She, she wasn't going to go up there, of course. She was going to knock on the door herself. She had to call somebody. But um, if somebody tries to intervene and you're not ready to face what's going on with you, then you're just going to push them away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After I finally convince the police to leave, I look in the bathroom mirror and don't recognize myself. It's after midnight and I have to be up for work at 4 a.m. So I put my keys in my pocket. I lay my purse and my favorite burgundy boots next to me by the couch and try to sleep. If he comes downstairs again, I'll grab my stuff and run for the door. I show up on time for the early morning news shift at the FM station where I'm working. I can't look anything near normal, unshowered, in yesterday's rumpled clothes. But no one says a thing. No one asks if I'm okay. Pat and I never talk about the fact that he beats me. But sometimes he'll make an oblique reference, like it's our little secret. One time he points to an acne mark on my face. It's a little more red than normal because he's just slapped me. It looks like a lopsided capital L, he tells me. L for love. For the most part, though, he's careful to keep his hands off my face. He never gives me a black eye to cover with makeup. He never leaves a mark on me I can't hide under my clothing. And I notice something about myself. When he attacks me, I don't move. I can't. So as you're remembering that, um, what do you notice in your body 
right now. My shoulders are like, I'm very, I'm getting like seized up, getting tight. Mm -hmm. I just always remember thinking like I couldn't, I, I felt frozen. I couldn't move and I couldn't think. And I would just freeze. Mm -hmm. And I kept hunching over, trying to like keep his blows away. But if I had like gotten out of his, like, just moved completely away from him and then swung around, maybe he would have stopped. Well, like maybe. But but just to just to normalize this, uh -huh. your reaction was a normal reaction. Freezing is a normal reaction because that's what our bodies do. When we are being attacked physically, we, we do fight, flight, freeze, right? Yeah. The other piece is that someone you loved was doing this to you. What comes to mind or maybe what comes to your body as I say that? Um, complete confusion, right? Because why? Why would he be doing that to me? Like, it just didn't make sense. He's not just abusing my body. He's in my head. He never says sorry. Instead, he tells me I drove him to it. It's me, something I've done. And what's totally crazy? He makes it sound reasonable. So when I think about leaving him, I second guess myself. I tell myself I need to try harder. I need to be a better wife. You good back there? I'm, I'm really good. Okay. <laughs> These days, whenever I visit Sue and Vance on the East Coast, we always hit the road together hugging the coastal highway, taking in the rocks and waves, and reminiscing. Were there any bruises or anything before you got married? No, it's like he waited. There was one incident that he got really mad at me. We were, do you remember that? We had that blue and white comet, and he got in the car and he was mad at me about something. And he, like, he hit the dashboard and he cracked it. That was the only thing he did before. That was the only time I saw him get angry at me. And then how soon after you got married did it actually start? Weeks. Wow. And it would be sudden. Like he would go from like a volcano, right? Like a dormant volcano to an explosion. And I would, I would get it. That's when I would get it. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't want you to have an idea, right? I was mortified. I didn't want you to think less of him even. It wasn't even just about me. I didn't want you to think less of him. CIOO is C100. Music from the Fox with Elton John, 729. I'm Randy Duell. Anna Maria Tremonti has just joined us. A little on the dismal side this morning, but it's supposed to pick up a, a wee well, bit for the weekend. Yeah, we can't complain if we have rain Friday and we get sun Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Now, can we, Randy? No, and there's something to look At the radio station, I'm reading the morning news and weather. 
and filling in on an afternoon interview show. That's right. Pat's actually working in the same building, on the TV side, but he has different hours. So when I'm in the newsroom, what's happening at home doesn't exist. I'm doing well at work, really well, and it feels great. I love the people. I love the whole radio station vibe. Still, when Pat gets another job back in Fredericton, I'm quick to follow him there. On my last day of work in Halifax, I read the lead story without missing a beat. Crime is uh, up and down at the same time. That's right, Randy. The overall crime rate in Halifax is down by 8.5%. However, the just-released 1980 police report says there's been increases in violent crime. The most alarming indecent assaults against women. They climbed 64% last year. Sexual offenses are up 33%. The number of reported rapes, however, is down. I rattle off the numbers as if this kind of violence has nothing to do with me. Deep down, I hope a move will improve things. It just complicates them. Pat's mother moves in with us. I get up early on a morning in late July and join her to watch the royal wedding of Charles and Diana. We sit together for hours, entranced by the ritual, the extravagance. Diana Francis, wilt thou have this man to thy wedded husband? But as I watch, I can't stop the thoughts churning through my mind about the choices women make who they choose to marry, the expectations they have. Diana is 20. I've just turned 24. She seems impossibly young. And I feel tremendously old, sitting there with my mother-in-law. I'm unemployed. My identity is wife, and unlike the princess on the small screen, I am neither glamorous nor special. The man I've chosen is volatile and threatening. Though sometimes he's fun and caring, I never know for sure. His unpredictability distorts my sense of reality. One night after another argument, Pat leaves the house. I wait up wondering where he's gone. It gets late. I go to bed alone. In the small hours of the morning, I wake up. Someone is standing over me, a silhouette, a dark mass at the side of the bed. I want to get up. I want to scream. But I can't. I'm too scared to move. And then the silhouette is gone. A car starts in the driveway, our car, and slowly drives off. All these years later, I still ask myself, what was he doing? What was he thinking? Was he planning something?
The music teacher says it was consensual sex. His former students say it was rape. He had sex with me once in the classroom, um, in a closet. Something happened to me too. I thought he was our little predator. Why wasn't he stopped? These women seek answers and justice. I'm Julie Ayrton, host of a new podcast, The Band Teacher. It's available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Just that somebody could be this diabolical. I knew inside of me that I didn't want this and that I felt stuck and like, what the hell? What, 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 well, why am I in this? Mm-hmm. Um, why is this happening to me? How did I end up here? Mm-hmm. But I quit my job and I moved there with him. And I, I think I was processing the idea that what did I do? Like, why did I do that? I could have stayed in Halifax. I could have worked. I could have just like ended it. But I didn't. I quit my job and I moved with him. And so if you were to talk to that younger part right now, how would you explain to her why you made that decision, why people make those kinds of decisions? I think my world was really small. And I couldn't see that I would have been able to stand on my own two feet. And I just felt I was caught up in something. This is the summer that I lace up my running shoes and head down the side of the highway. It's perpetually hot. I am beyond troubled. I'm not a terribly good runner, but I'm persistent. I puff and plod at first, chasing that moment where the monotony of the movement will free me. The roadkill on the shoulder is a bit of an obstacle course and I find myself sidestepping porcupine bits. But even as I concentrate on that, my mind is racing. I'm obsessed with the news. The war in Lebanon is raging. This is Beirut. I watch a CBC journalist named Anne Medina and her gritty reporting from the thick of it. They're cocky. One of their officers I want to be her. I want to do what she does. My ambition takes a giant leap forward. But it makes no sense because look at me. How do I possibly go from this life to that one? I'm angry on these runs. I am frustrated. I am done with him. I'm in love with him. I will leave. I'm stuck. He had um, driven to Ottawa with me and his mother. Mm. And we were staying in a bedroom in the basement. And um, we got into an argument. We're a thousand kilometers from home, visiting one of Pat's relatives, who at this point is up in the kitchen with Pat's mom. 
you know, he was hurting me and he was, he was grabbing me. He ripped my shirt right off of me. Um, and he was punching me and I was crying out and nobody came downstairs. Nobody, and nobody helped. No, no. And they would have heard you. They had to have heard. Yeah. Yeah. He eventually joins them upstairs for what seems like an eternity. I can only vaguely make out what they're saying. Then I hear his footsteps on the stairs. He comes into our room just long enough to tell me he and his mother are going home to New Brunswick and they're leaving without me. I took a train from Ottawa back to Fredericton. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how I got to the station. I don't remember any of that. I just remember being on this overnight train. Mm -hmm. And I spent the time on the train thinking about how I had really screwed up, how I had clearly said something to upset him. I thought about how I needed to be a better person and I was going to go and tell him we could talk it out. The train rolls along through the night. I don't sleep. I keep running things over in my head. So talk to the person you were back then for a second. What did she need to know on the train? If you could have been a helpful, older, wiser person for her. What, what would you say to her if you could lean over and talk to her on the train? Well, I would start by saying this is not your fault. And um, you don't need to go back there. And you don't need to make this a better relationship. You can get away from this one and you can go find yourself a better relationship. You know, you're not going to be not worthy because of this. And would she have any rebuttals for you, the, the girl on the train? Oh, it might have been something as simple as, but I love him, I must try, you know? Yeah. And what, what, would, uh, what would older you say to her? But that's not love. People who love you don't treat you like that. That's not love. By the time the train pulls into Fredericton, I've got my apology and my heartfelt pledge of devotion all ready for him. And it was early morning, mm -hmm. and I came into the house, and the coffee was on. <clears throat> and I got a coffee, and I sat on the couch, and there were two couches that faced each other. And he sat across from me on the other couch, and he looked at me, and he said, Either you leave or I leave. If you don't, I will kill you. It's just a matter of time. The rest of that day is a blur. I don't know what to do. I call a shelter. The woman on the phone says I should make him leave. 
I don't even know how I'd begin to do that. I stay one more night, but I'm panicking. So a knock came to the door Saturday morning, and I must have been home alone. When I opened the door, you were standing there with a a look that I'd never seen on you before, and I knew something bad happened. I drive off early in the morning. I'm hysterical behind the wheel. I chew on a dish rag the whole way for hours to try to stop crying. And your face was white, your eyes were red. Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just the most mournful look. I said, come in. We sat at the table. I asked you what in the hell was going on. And then you just let it go. You let everything and told me all the stuff that had been bottled up for all that time of the past nine months. I remember you telling me situations that we'd all be together and you guys would go home and he beat the crap out of you after we had all been together at our dinner parties or just out with the whole gang. And um, which I remember thinking, wow, you know, everything seemed so cool. Everything seemed, you know, so regular. And nobody had any idea. Nobody would have thought it in a million years. What did you, did I stay with you? Yeah, you did. You stayed that that night. I mean, you slept on the couch that night. After a few days, I start thinking, come on, he's not going to kill you. He doesn't mean that. Go home and talk to him. You know you love him. I tell myself I will be careful not to upset him. I tell myself... We will be happy. And besides, we have plans back in Fredericton. I have a job interview lined up with CBC Radio. Pat's not home when I get in. But his mom is. She barely speaks to me. She retreats to another part of the house. It's dusk. The woods that surround the house grow dark. I wait in the kitchen. Pat doesn't say a word when he comes in the door. But there's something in the way he moves. He's livid. And before I have a chance to say anything, he just attacks. I remember what happens as if part of me is watching from across the room and part of me is stuck in my body. I'm falling against the kitchen cabinets. I'm on the floor. He's wearing his heavy motorcycle boots, and he's putting all of his strength into kicking me. His boot slams into my thigh over and over and over again. A few days later, I have a ring of bruises around my neck. His fingerprints. He must have been choking me with his bare hands. I can see so much of the assault so clearly in my mind, but I have never been able to see that. And suddenly, 
all these years later, I realize I must have blacked out. I don't know what you're thinking as you listen to this, but as I recount this incident, I just feel sick. Even to me, this is so surreal. It is so far removed from the woman I am today, and yet I can still see myself in that kitchen that night. I can feel myself there. And my stomach starts to knot. My heart races. I feel so bad, still. Did his mother say anything? She didn't say a word. She didn't. She didn't say a word. And I stayed there she that was night. Afraid of her, of him. I guess at the time I didn't know that. I just couldn't understand why she didn't interrupt. Why she didn't say stop it? Nothing. 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 I never told my parents the details of what happened that night. I've waited until now, years after my mom's death, to tell my dad. But I had a job interview at CBC coming up. And so I had fingerprints around my neck. And mom had bought me a suit, a white suit with blue flecks in it. Kind of like, looks like a Chanel suit. And I, I wore that suit for my interview. And I, it had a blouse with it. It had a navy blue blouse and it had a high collar. And I looked I put it on and I looked every which way in the so mirror. So covered the, the marks. Yeah, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see Did anything. Did he left marks on your neck? Yeah. He could have strangled you right there and then. He could have, yeah. Oh, boy. I feel so bad even now, Anna Maria, because, you know, we never knew that it was that bad. Well, maybe I shouldn't even be telling you now. It's oh, no, no, no. I'm glad you're telling me you're letting it out because, Anna Maria, you, you, have, to, you have to realize this. Look how strong you have been. Look how far you have come from there. And then you are, you are did you get the job from the CBC? I did. I did. You did? Yeah. So, so and I told myself I wasn't going to cry. And if they mentioned him, they all knew him, right? And I said, if, I said, I told myself if they ask about him, if they mention, just give like a short answer and just like pinch yourself. Do not cry. Do not let on. Because oh, yeah. I was terrified that people would think less of me. You, you were kind of, you know, I can see that now, you know, you were ashamed and you were sore and you were frustrated. I just didn't know what to do, right? Yeah, yeah I believe you. Yeah. Not long after that night, I move into a guest house run by an eccentric wisp of a woman in her 70s. I feel nauseous if I eat more than a banana a day. Each morning... I wake up in the dark to host CBC Fredericton's early show. It's three hours long, and for every minute, I'm in survival mode, terrified of being judged or shunned, fired even. If anyone finds out, I'm a battered wife. I come home from my shift, take a hot bath in the communal bathroom, and go to my room. My world has imploded, and I just want to die. I couldn't even function. Mm -hmm. By then, I was doing the morning show, mm -hmm. and um, I would stand outside 
while the newscast was on and it was exactly 13 minutes back then, every hour on top of the hour. And I would stand there and I would tell myself that I could do this, I could go back in and do it and I wasn't going to fall apart. I was, I was a mess. I was, I was consumed with how to kill myself. So you literally had to give yourself like a pep talk to get through. Yeah. To stay alive. Yeah. On the next episode of Welcome to Paradise. The judge said, I can't believe it was that bad. And I've never forgotten that. That's a that's a such a harmful statement, isn't it? Yeah, and I like I remember when he said it, I thought, oh my God, he's not gonna give me a divorce. He's gonna send me back. If you or someone you know is living with intimate partner violence, you're not alone. There are people who can help. For more information, visit cbc.ca slash WTP resources. Welcome to Paradise is written and produced by me, Anna Maria Tremonti. Sarah Melton is our associate producer. Chris Oak is our story editor. Sound design and additional story editing by Mira Burtwin-Tonic. S.K. Robert is our coordinating producer. Our senior producer is Damon Fairless. And the director of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. Special thanks to Farzana Doctor. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, visit AnnaMariaTremonti.com. You can follow Welcome to Paradise on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please help others find it by rating and reviewing it or simply by telling a friend. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.